Hi there, my name is Cheryl Foland. I am the founder and CEO of Lila B. And what I love about beauty is that everyone has a choice when it comes to what beauty looks and means to them. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to Beauty Is Your Business. I'm Denise Dente, and I'm here with my co-host, Jessica Quick. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Denise. Today's conversation is going to be super fun and exciting with our guest, Cheryl from Lila B. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here and talk with you a lot about your brand and how you've pivoted your brand, as well as how you've pivoted your career. It's been really fascinating to learn a little bit about you, how you've come from the finance business and the finance world and now into beauty and how you've led your brand into being really the leader in clean beauty. So take us through a little bit about how you've made some of these pivots in your career and where you're at with Lila B. Sure. Well, I took a very interesting and dramatic pivot in my career in my 40s. So never, ever say that it's too late. (laughs) I spent 21 years sort of In the finance space, I was a finance business major, raised on the East Coast, spent a majority of my adult life out of university in New York, where I worked in and out of various different companies that were acquired and owned by a private equity firm. I ended up in the beauty space because one of the companies that they bought was in beauty marketing. And so I did not wake up one day and have an aha moment and I was a beauty junkie or a celebrity makeup artist. I really did fall into the beauty space by way of my career and what I was doing back in New York. And so in my late 30s and early 40s, I spent a majority of my career building that beauty marketing business and really developing an incredible wealth of knowledge and a network of just amazing people in this industry. And when we sold that company, and I found myself out here in California, because this is sort of where we wanted to grow that business, I had a very interesting moment in time. I came to that fork in the road that I think people oftentimes come to, and I decided to go down the entrepreneurial path rather than continuing to forge ahead with another decade of my career. And I decided to create a brand that I felt strongly about my desire for this particular brand that I thought was missing and what I thought people such as yourselves would enjoy. And so it took me a bit, and I'm sure we'll get to that, but it took me a bit to create it. But yeah, Lila B was born. So it was an interesting journey. I would love to talk about that development process because you were in that early stage of development when a lot of this clean, green beauty came about. So I'm sure that there were some obstacles along the way and how you really went about what products you create, who you create them for, how you were inspired and who you were inspired by. So take us through some of that. 
Well, I think first and foremost, to learn a little bit more about me, not just as a founder, but as a beauty consumer, I always appreciated quality product, no matter what that is, whether it's a pair of shoes, an item of clothing, food, high-end beautiful produce that I cook with, or skincare beauty products. And so I started off there, right? I love these beautiful, conventional luxury beauty products. And so when I thought about creating my own line, I really, truly wanted to mimic the beautiful textures, colors, formulations, and even performance of high-end, gorgeous, conventional beauty products, but make them cleaner. And I was not willing to put a product out in the market or even launch a brand that I couldn't stand behind. So I started there. And what I found, which was rather disappointing, is the contract manufacturers and the labs and the chemists that I was meeting with really had not evolved to the point of finding those beautiful, high-performing replacement ingredients to replace some of the toxic ingredients that obviously clean brands want to remove and have on their blacklist. So I met with and vetted so many different manufacturers here in the States, as well as overseas in both Japan and in Europe. And what I realized is that Back in 2014, when I started the development and I started this vetting process, the EU was already so far ahead of us. They still are with banned ingredients and cleaner formulations. So it was rather unfortunate because I do think that today we have a lot of contract manufacturers and incredible suppliers that are doing so much more innovation around clean. But I, I landed in Italy and they were well ahead of the curve in terms of clean formulations, really being compliant with the EU regulations. And I assumed that if I was checking that box and if I was compliant there, I will ultimately be well ahead of the game here in the States. So that's really my journey through the vetting process of finding the right partners to help me with my brand and the creation of it, which was very interesting. It was very fun. And I've been super loyal to the two partners that I work with even till today. When I remember I was first introduced to Lila B was actually on a photo shoot. We were, we had an amazing client that had beautiful accessories and handbags, very high end, and we needed some beautiful pieces. And what struck me about Lila B was the packaging, how simple and elegant it was. And I'd love to know, was that part of being in Italy or was that something you'd always imagine that you wanted for your product line? Because I do think of course, the product formulations are amazing, but the design and the look and the feeling of the packaging, how did you get there? Well, it all comes back to quality, right? I mean, that really is that same point that I insisted upon. I took a 360 approach to the brand. And while I think a lot of brands, even in the luxury space, really don't think about quality and investing in a package, that was really, I took this 360 approach of saying, okay, the look the feel, the performance, everything about my brand, I want to be so super high-end and prestige without breaking the bank, right? I wanted it to obviously be approachable. So I started to consider the challenges that I always had with a product bumbling around in the bottom of my tote bag since I traveled so much 
or in a makeup bag. And the scratching, the dinging, the breaking, and how horrible they look oftentimes after just a short period of time. And you've spent really good money on it because this was a beautiful luxury product. So I insisted upon a beautiful package. I worked with the most incredible designer to come up with a package that was obviously high-end, super luxe, but also it had a organic, beautiful, fluid feeling, this sort of sensory experience when you hold the pebbles or the stones, call them what you will, in the palm of your hand. I was raised on the East Coast and spent a lot of time in Manhattan as a child. And through my teen years, I was completely obsessed and enthralled by Elsa Peretti and her designs for Tiffany. And when I was young, I would do anything to receive a little blue box under the Christmas tree. And it usually was the shape of a kidney bean or a paperweight for my school desk. And I loved her designs. I still do to this day. So if you think about our stone, I think you can see sort of that inspiration that came from Elsa Peretti. They've become iconic to the brand, but it was definitely something that I was focused on. And to your point, Jessica, I think they scream quality, they scream luxury, and women are proud to pull it out of their handbag. Well, that really resonates with me for sure. Now looking at it, I understand why it has that familiar look and feel to it. It definitely feels luxurious and almost like jewelry. So now I really get it. (laughs) On that note of quality and the ingredients and so forth, I know that you started the brand with Color Cosmetics and you took a very minimal approach. Would that be how you describe it? Or how would you describe kind of your approach to color? Sure. I always use this term loosely, but I think the word is simple. And simple can mean so many things, right? And it could have a negative sort of feel or simple could be really refreshing. (laughs) And it depends on how we're using it. But I really wanted to create a brand that made a beauty routine simple again. How, when, where, why did color cosmetics become so complicated and confusing? And it really doesn't have to be, right? The reality of my life is that I have never spent more than a nanosecond (laughs) on my hair or my makeup. And so I wanted to create a brand that could be simple, easy with minimal time, minimal products. So I challenged my chemists to help me to create products in my line that were major multitaskers. Now, I'm not talking about that lip product that has a treatment oil in it. There's usually something bigger. You can use it in two, three, four different ways so that your acquisition or your investment in the brand is two or three products. You know, we talk to the power of only three Lila B products can give you a multitude of different and many, many beautiful finished looks. So it really is about ease and it's about simplicity and you can go as far with it or as quick and easy that no makeup makeup look. It really is super versatile and it can work across all different beauty junkies or just that natural consumer. So yeah, that was really my focus. Super easy, super simple. It's what I wanted and needed. And I think it's what almost everyone wants and needs these days. Absolutely not intimidating, right? Like something that we can pick up and understand and apply and know it's going to look good. We don't have to follow a six minute YouTube tutorial and 
have a makeup artist degree. So appreciate the simple. I think that does resonate. In today's consumer base for Lila B, I've seen a lot of the communication. And again, when we were introduced to it, this was, gosh, four years ago now, both Denise and I really enjoyed the brand and slowly been following it. And would you say that your audience, it felt very much more of a Gen X or a older millennial type of audience that you were targeting? Has that stayed the same or do you see yourself moving a little bit different? And I say that because I see where you're sold at and how your email messages come out and so forth feels very much like you're talking to me and I'm in that category. So is that still where it is or are you slightly changing Well, I think that from a business perspective, everyone always considers a consumer goods. You need to have this really narrow, focused target audience. And I believe that we launched the brand very much with that mindset. I launched the brand considering the fact that I was new. I was a fresh, new, bright and shiny penny out in the industry. There wasn't a lot of clean brands out there yet. And there also wasn't a lot of clean luxe brands out there yet. So I wanted to make sure that I sort of solidified our positioning as a luxe prestige brand. And the way I did that was targeting sort of that Gen X, more mature, less price sensitive consumer that shopped at Barney's and Net-A-Porter and Neiman Marcus. And so those are the partners I chose right out of the gate. And that really was the audience that we were really honing in on. Obviously, as clean evolved, And retail partners such as Sephora and Mecca in Australia and Revolve, you know, who have definitely a younger audience as they started to lean into clean more and embrace brands like Lila B. Obviously, we were then through our retail partners talking to a younger demo. So if you even look in our social channels, our Instagram, I think can resonate with a Gen X or a Gen Z. And it's because we know that the product is obviously Instagrammable. So right out of the gate, we obviously have that sort of digital one step ahead. Everyone is loving the product. We do not have a problem with user-generated content because everyone takes photos of it constantly. And then obviously the icing on the cake is when you hear just how fabulous the formulations are and how much people love them. But I do think that when you think about who we're talking to, the brand is so universal when you think about it. For the younger demo who might be a little more price sensitive, there's a value proposition to my products. There's three products in one. So really it's a one and done purchase to the Gen X woman, we want ease. I'm a Gen X, I'm 52 this year. You know, we want ease, we want simplicity. We don't mind spending good money for great product. I'll tell you, I used to love to pull out my Chanel lipstick at a brunch table out with my girlfriends. Now I love to pull out my stone, my little pebble. So I think it's an interesting brand focus in terms of demo right now, more so than ever. We're finding that mothers are sharing it with their daughters and daughters are introducing a clean brand to their moms who are trying to find a clean convert brand. How do they convert from conventional and give up their luxury products without compromising on performance? 
So it's been an interesting evolution, but it's resonating across all ages, which is fantastic. And you really have been continuing to evolve the brand and pivot during all of this time that has gone by and people have shopped from home, worked from home and so forth. So how are you evolving the brand and how have you been able to look around the corner to see what's ahead? Well, it's really interesting. In hindsight, I would have never in a million years, I don't think any of us had a crystal ball and we could have predicted the past two years and the effect of the pandemic on all of our lives, both personally and even from a business perspective. But in January of 2020, I had a pretty incredible launch and I would have never known just how important that launch and that sort of pivot to my collection would have been for the brand. It really did save us. In January of 2020, just before COVID, I launched our skin prep products. And without going entirely off the deep end into skin care, I really believe that your makeup only looks as good as your skin does. And so to prep your skin and take care of your skin, the Lila B Color products are only going to look that much better. So we developed skin prep products, launched them in January, and then, of course, COVID hits. And that's all we were selling. <laughs> so everyone was wearing masks. Everyone was home. No one, even on Zoom, how much makeup are you really wearing? So I'm grateful to that pivot. You never know how products are going to resonate. I didn't know if it was going to be a smart idea or not, but I really believed in it. And I believed in the products we were launching. They skyrocketed to the top of our best sellers, and they continue to perform as our top hero skews. So I think it was COVID-focused, self-care at home, no makeup. But at the end of the day, I also think even now, winding out of this pandemic, consumers are really asking how much do they really need to use and wear. And so the skin prep products were definitely fantastic. And then in 2021, real quickly, we pulled up a product and launched in May of 2021. And that is our Lovingly Lip Treatment Oil. And that is a neutral, non-sticky gloss that has all of these incredible treatment ingredients like hyaluronic acid. And that was sort of a pivot off of our Lovingly Lip Tinted Lip Oil, which was a hero. But we said, why not? Let's lean into all this treatment and that keeps selling out. So that is clearly another hero for us. So just an example of how we've pivoted as a collection. And you'll see more of that in the coming year to two years with our pipeline of new product. Super fascinating. And I love that we keep circling around this main topic of pivot because it does seem, Cheryl, to follow in your life. So I'm curious as a brand founder owner, how do you think about your brand where you started out in color cosmetics, you started with your stones and really started to build this iconic feeling. Then you pivot to skin prep. Now you have lip, an amazing response. How do you structure your team or have your meetings to focus your team on where and what you guys should be doing? Because it is very easy to quickly get lost in so many heroes. We've got all these focuses. How do you step back and say, this is what I want to focus on? Or look, I'm going to assign a certain amount of resources to each of these heroes. How do you think about it as the owner? 
I think that you have to be super self-aware and you have to know that it's not necessarily your opinion, your favorite, or what's in your gut. I think you really have to gauge your audience. We listen to what our customers are looking for. And we don't take it lightly. I mean, if they're really looking for something from us and they're super loyal to the brand, we'll obviously take that into consideration when we think about what our new product pipeline is. But I think you need to know what is working and what is not early on. Because as a small brand, you can't continue to invest in something that is not resonating. And that's not just a product. That's also the way you market the product. Our Power of Only Three campaign that we started last year was such a success that we continue ongoing once or twice a week. You will see this sort of Power of Only Three video and education around not just me as a founder, but look at all of these various different, very diverse women and men who use our three products only in so many different ways And I think that when we recognized that it was resonating and that people were really, truly understanding more so about who we are, but really what they want and need from a beauty brand and from their beauty routine, that's when you feel really super confident. The fact that I am still a small brand with a small team, we can pivot and we can be so nimble. So something that's on the docket for next month or even next week can so quickly be shifted, revised, edited in a heartbeat. So I lean into my team, especially my digital team. They're fantastic group of millennial and Gen Z girls who I have a lot to learn from and every day, all day. But I think it's really just making sure that we're doing the right thing. And you know, because you get the feedback, you hear, you see, you have the data and being able to be small and nimble right now is definitely working to our advantage. Competing in this area of luxury and high-end and premium, you have a lot of legacy brands. You mentioned a couple of them. And then you come into play, and now you're launching new products and so forth. So what are some of the strategies or tactics that you've put forth to help break through and introduce the brand to that audience that does have the experience with many of the larger legacy brands in this luxury category? So that's a great question. I think that there are so many consumers today that are either learning on their own or learning from their friends or their daughters, particularly Gen X and older. And they would love to have a cleaner routine. They don't really know how to get there, some people. And so to find that sort of clean convert consumer, right? They want to convert so badly or they would like to know how to, but they definitely don't want to give up the performance. And why would they? Are these products that unhealthy for me? What else is out there that I can really depend on? So I think that what we lean into there is we're clean without compromise and we can stand up to and be that clean convert brand for you. That's when you're talking about conventional legacy brands. In the clean space as a whole, there obviously are so many brands coming to market today. And there's a couple of different things that I feel allows us to continue to be unique and very real. You have an authentic, genuine, real founder 
and I am creating brands for real women and men. And what that means is that this isn't necessarily a brand that is created because it's the next best trend. This is a brand that was created by a real woman for real women. And so I think that my focus, my presence, and my being founder forward oftentimes is very refreshing to the consumer that's looking for a clean brand. But also, I mean, we touched upon this earlier, it's ease. You know, there are still brands, it doesn't matter if they're conventional or clean or luxe or not, or who their demo is, that continue to pump product out and encourage more, more, more purchasing and prerequisites. You have to wear these three products before you could layer on these three products. And that's not who we are. It's not who we are. I think that's what makes us very unique. You obviously have a strategy with retail. You have your e-com business as well. What does the future look like for Lila B? Do you have more retail that you're wanting to get into? Are you guys really looking into types of sales channels, international expansion? What does the future for your expansion in Lila B look like? Interesting question. If you asked me this question two years ago, it would have been a completely different answer. (laughs) But I think that most founders would say that. Pre-COVID, we were, a majority of our distribution was with our retail partners, wholesale, brick and mortar. And with the hit of COVID and a lot of obviously store closures and even being focused as a color cosmetics brand, we were really hit hard. And what we recognized was that our D2C business, our e-com business, really was not what it should have been at that point in time. And it's because we definitely embraced and took advantage of all of the incredible retail partners that from the get-go, right out of the gate, wanted us. And you can only do so much with so much capital and a lean team. So we really did run long and hard with building our brand awareness with these incredible retail partners who gave us the opportunity, the audience, and the stage to really continue to push the brand forward. So, you know, pre-COVID, a majority of our business was wholesale, direct-to-consumer. Throughout the past two years, we obviously, I've built my team and it started investing, obviously, in our D2C by way of very strategic content, paid media, really started leaning into incredible D2C strategies that has really worked out extremely well for us. It's built that loyal Gen X consumer more so than ever before. They didn't have a brick and mortar store to walk into. So we offer them a virtual one-on-one consultation. They can come to our site. We give them the service above and beyond what they could ever find in a store. So going forward, our main focus will be D2C. I mentioned earlier Mecca. We are in Australia and New Zealand with the Mecca retail partner that will continue to roll out. We have further expansion with our Blue Mercury partners this year and into next. And then we have some exciting new partnerships the back half of this year that we'll have to share with you at a later date, but we're super excited about it. And at the same time, really focusing long and hard on our home business, because that's really where our loyal customer is coming. Well, we're going to check back in with you on that. That sounds rather exciting. In speaking about this idea of innovation and new product, it's always a struggle with brands. The brick and mortar locations, sometimes even the consumer, 
are putting pressure on brands to continue to bring out new product after new product to create new noise, new excitement around the brand, have something new to offer the consumer to come into the store. And let's face it, innovation and new product are difficult. They're time consuming, they're expensive, all of those things. So how is it that you're able to keep Lila B top of mind with the consumer and how you're feeling about pulsing out innovation? When do you do it? How do you do it? How do you think about it? Great question. I think we always have to pause and not lose sight of who we are and who I am. And you can get sucked up and be the follower in the herd where you could really try to pump out product as quickly and as fast as other brands. I think that new innovation and having a new product, a new launch to talk about is really key always to really build brand awareness. And you have something fresh and new and exciting to talk about. However, my launches and my products are very mindful. They're very thoughtful. So if it's not necessary, I'm not going to launch it. So we have two key times of the year, spring and fall, usually, although supply chain delays and lead times are throwing those off schedule this year. But we usually have spring and fall launches. And then sprinkled throughout the year, we have incredible sets or bundles or exclusive offerings. A lot to talk about, but we usually do not launch more than two new products in any given year. That's wonderful and good advice to have it on the calendar and then be flexible. I think part of what we've talked about today is the pivot from your career to pivoting the business and even being flexible in your launch plans, because while we have a plan, we never know what can crop up. So if people do want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Me personally, through Instagram is probably the best. So anyone who happens to be on the Instagram or Facebook platform, just DM and someone will obviously forward them to me. Our website is lilabeauty.com or I'm Cheryl at lilabeauty.com. So it's easy enough, C-H-E-R-Y-L. And I'd love to hear from anyone. I think that this industry is a group of incredibly supportive people. We all need each other and we can all learn from each other. So if anyone wants to reach out, obviously they can do so. Well, we've sure enjoyed having you on the show and we are looking forward to having you back and hear about some of the plans that you have at the end of the year. So that's very exciting. And thank you so much, Cheryl, for joining Jessica and I on Beauty Is Your Business. Thank you guys for having me. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.